0: And welcome to the first Theme Mini of 2021. I'm your host, Robert, also known as Banffing Bob, and with me as always is my lovely wife, Brittany. Hi! And today we're going to come to you with some Valentine's uh, love in February. late. Totally. And we're going to talk all about some romantic movies.
1: So basically, the name of this episode, if you will, is The Evolution of Romance, We tried to watch, I mean obviously we didn't watch one in every decade, but we watched romance movies from different decades and we're going to talk about how they've evolved over the years.
0: Right, we we did the 40s, the 60s, the 80s, and the 2010s, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we we basically went every other decade.
1: Alright, so let's just jump in. So the first romance film was only 20 seconds long. And it was called The Kiss, and I believe it was on Broadway, and it happened in 1896.
0: And now we have kisses that are longer than 20 seconds. Come on now.
1: I mean, true. But basically, romances started off uh, typically as romantic comedies. Um, You had all kinds of zany stuff going on, and basically they became pretty popular in the 1930s. That's when romance took off as a genre. I assume that they were black and white and... um, silent then? I don't know when films stopped being silent.
0: Well, we know that in the 30s we did have fully audible with scores and yeah, but dialogue and everything. Weren't a
1: decent amount of films still silent then or Yeah, I, th-
0: I think through the 20s most films were silent and then they kind of evolved into...
1: Though I do think it would probably be pretty hard to translate romance into... Like silent film, yeah.
0: It's like you can you can like pantomime, like oh my heart is a flutter, yeah. Oh I'm batting my eyelashes at you, but that's so superficial.
1: I suppose that's why they didn't really take off until the '30s,
0: right? Slapstick is so much easier to convey than like oh I have such deep feelings for you.
1: So basically, they were kind of like odd couples and, and zany comedies for about '30s '40s, and then. Early 50s and 60s, they kind of moved into more classic romance. They had things like Gone with the Wind. And the first movie we watched um, was was Casablanca.
0: Yeah, and that... was kind
1: of the start of all that.
0: Yeah, that was like the big romance movie of the 40s. It starred Humphrey Bogart. And I'd never actually seen... Have you ever seen that movie before?
1: No. No. I've never seen any of the movies we watched. Yeah,
0: we tried to choose movies that neither of us had seen before. And that's why some of these... Are, these are classics that we saw. Right. But a lot of the ones that are really modern, like, you know, your Titanics, your, uh, I don't know, You've Got Mail, things that we would have seen growing up, mm-hmm. those were nowhere near this list.
1: I mean, supposedly Casablanca is, like, based on a real-life true story.
0: Well, it is based on the fact that World War Two happened. I
1: mean, yeah. And I'm
0: assuming that the French did occupy Morocco at the time. So, if anything, it would be kind of like a historical fiction because it involves the Gestapo and concentration camps and all sorts of Nazi World War II stuff.
1: I know it won several Oscars.
0: And for good reason. I really enjoyed it. It's not like your I love you, let's fall in love and get married kind of story.
1: Basically, the story is um, Rick is this bar owner in Casablanca and Germans are slowly overtaking all of Europe and Rick's love interest left him, or didn't, rather, she didn't show up when he left France. Then she shows back up with her husband, and it's this love story about him maybe trying to help them escape because her husband escaped from a concentration camp and the Gestapo is looking for him.
0: Yeah, th- this story really keeps you on your toes because Rick's motivations are kind of up in the air. He loves her, but he's also, f- he feels kind of jaded by her abandoning mm-hmm. him. And the fact that she's married and was married the whole time they were together in Paris. Like, the whole idea is that it's very romantic because it's not just cut and dry, oh, I love you, let's run off together. Right. He's also taking into account her best interests, his needs.
1: Escaping the Nazis. Yeah,
0: like the world affairs. Like, he cares about what's happening in the world. Even
1: though he pretends like he doesn't. Yeah,
0: and honestly, he's a really great character. Most of the characters in this are really good. And I think there's a reason why this really took off as, like, the big romance.
1: I mean, it was sad, though. It was oh, romantic. It was sad. It's heartbreaking. It was- I get it. it. I think I've never seen Gone with the Wind, but I imagine this was better. I have
0: seen Gone with the Wind. And it is it better? Uh, Casablanca is better. For one, it's about half the length, which is good. There's no need for an intermission in Casablanca. I
1: felt like it was an appropriate length.
0: But also, I much prefer World War II era stories to, uh,
1: the, Civil War? <laughs>
0: to the Civil War because it is very antebellum, Southern Bell mindset. But
1: we do have to keep in mind that back then, women still didn't have a lot of choice. Even though she loved Rick, she still really didn't have a whole lot of choice who she ended up with. Yeah, she was kind of... Rick was like, mm, sorry, you gotta go with your husband, blah blah blah. She's the like, end. but
0: I love... Okay, I guess. I guess Uh, I'm like, really am not given much of a choice she here.
1: She was pretty much the only woman character in this, other than some floozy that Rick dumped.
0: Yeah, and she just floats around a little bit, but this is definitely a... Uh,
1: Men-heavy male doc
0: dominated movie with the one female lead
1: so then we move back into more comedies again in the 50s and 60s and that's where we pick up with breakfast at tiffany's the next movie we watch in 1961 Mm -hmm. so these movies were back to being funny and giving people a sense of joy and breakfast at tiffany's was pretty zany i mean basically you've got these two leads um, with Audrey Hepburn and, oh, what's his name? Do you remember?
0: Other guy? I don't remember his name.
1: Uh, George Peppard. Peppard? Someone's mad out there. I mean, in George. Ol-
0: old man George is like, you son of a bitch.
1: Are they, um, Audrey Hepburn is playing, uh, Holly Golightly and George is playing a man named Paul. Holly is like an escort. Um, it doesn't explicitly say she ever prostitutes herself. Most, but I she
0: definitely strings men along for money. Yeah, that that much is certain.
1: I I didn't understand why they kept giving her money to go to the powder room.
0: It's for it's tip money for the attendant.
1: And does she just keep it all? Yes,
0: because no fifty dollars. It's like even even now fifty dollars would be exorbitant.
1: Yeah, like exorbitant.
0: 50, yeah, big word that doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> but. Back then, it must have been like 300 bucks or more. Like, how is that even a thing? But anyway, they'd they'd give her money and doll her up. And, and then they, she'd like go home and lock them out of her apartment.
1: And she'd turn up the music and then her racist neighbor... Like, well, let's just talk about this.
0: Okay. Every movie that we saw throughout our process were problematic in their own certain ways based on the era. Casablanca had a lot to do with um, taking advantage of women and the whole Nazi thing and the treatment of black people.
1: Yeah, poor Sam. Yeah. The only yeah, black guy Sam in Sam
0: didn't really have any control whatsoever. But in Breakfast at Tiffany's, the big problem was that Mickey Rooney, like the whitest guy ever, they put big buck teeth on him and making him talk a rock dish. Mission go right, Ree. And it's like a South Park sketch. Like it's... It's legitimately making fun of Asian people the whole time. It
1: didn't even make any sense why he had to be Asian. Is Breakfast at Tiffany's based on, like, a book or something? I
0: honestly don't know.
1: But, like, he didn't have to be a racist character. He could have just been an annoying-ass neighbor. He could have
0: been a white guy, or they... No. They they couldn't have cast an Asian... Let's be honest. They
1: didn't cast Asian people There there weren't any big
0: Asian actors unless they were in kung fu films. Bruce Lee, maybe. Back
1: to the rest of the movie. But the main
0: story of Breakfast at Tiffany's is that the uh, main male character, the writer, Paul. Paul, he is kind of he he has a sugar mama who pays for his place and he's supposed to be writing his book when really he's just supposed to be there for her whenever she stops by.
1: Because if he ever actually sells his book, he'll have enough money, he won't need her anymore and she doesn't want that.
0: Yeah, but then when he gets involved with Mrs. Golightly, they uh, they start hanging out and it's it's casual at first.
1: Holly wants to own something from Tiffany's. That's her dream. And every time she gets stressed, she goes down and stares in the Tiffany's window, basically. Yeah. Like, she never goes in.
0: No, but it's not like she's poor. Like, all of her suitors make sure that she's well off. She has outfits. She has things.
1: Yeah, but I don't think she can afford Tiffany's.
0: And she has a cat that is unnamed. But the story progresses where he, um, he kind of falls in love with her. But then her estranged husband from Texas stops by, played by Buddy Epson from uh, Beverly Hillbillies. He stops by and he says, oh, her real name's Ellie Mae and we have three kids and she needs to come back to Texas. And
1: he's like, they're her her real kids? And he's like, no, they're my kids, but she's their stepmama.
0: Yeah. And and like,
1: he married her. He met this girl when she was 14. Yeah.
0: yeah. So that's another problematic thing is that uh, child marriage, definitely, but her brother's off at war and his reasoning for getting her back is yo your brother's coming back for more soon you should come be back here so that we can be one big happy family again
1: yeah but she doesn't want to go so she basically spends the movie trying to romance men into marrying her uh so she can be rich but really paul's falling in love with her and we're just talking about so they go to tiffany's and he's like i want to buy you a gift and she's like i can't let you spend your money and he's like well i've got a ten dollar note how about that? And she's like, I could accept a $10 gift. He takes this Cracker Jack ring, which nowadays that would be plastic. Absolutely. it wouldn't. I don't know what kind of material this is supposed to be, but it's metal enough that they can engrave it. It's likely a, it. a
0: cheap aluminum or tin or something.
1: Tiffany's offers to engrave it for him. Now, this would not happen today. You could not walk into any jewelry store they and would be like... They would laugh your
0: happy ass out of the sales. Because
1: they literally tell them... They're like, where'd you get it, sir? And he's like, a Cracker Jack box. And he goes, oh, they still have prizes? And he goes, yeah. And he hands them the ring and they're like, we'll have it for you tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Because customer service. Spot on. It was, it was a relatively good movie.
1: I liked it the best out of the four we watched. I
0: liked Casablanca.
1: Yeah, you're r- romantic like that.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. After the 60s and after that whole kind of comedy rom com.
1: So we stayed with that for a while, but then in the 80s and 90s, they really started moving more into just a wide variety of romance. Like, so we had. We still had comedies and classic romance, but you also had, like, thrillers romance movies, and you had the first sci fi movie, Somewhere in Time, is what it was called. I don't have the exact year, but that was. Yeah,
0: because it's. Somewhere in time
1: But there was also things like Historical romance like the Titanic And that Funnily enough is the only Romance movie to ever make the top 100 Highest grossing films Despite the fact that Gone I think Gone with the Wind might have been on it for a little bit But I'm not sure
0: Because you also take into account inflation But now there are so many Other movie theaters and going to the movies Is so much more accessible than it was in the 40's that that also kind of plays a factor.
1: I think I think all the movies on our list won Oscars or at least were nominated for Oscars.
0: I don't think Pretty in Pink was, which was the one that was uh, for the eighties. We did that for nineteen eighty four because that's one of those John Hughes brat pack.
1: Don, John who?
0: John Hughes. There you go. What did I say?
1: John Hughes.
0: John Hughes.
1: Yeah, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's was nominated and they won one Oscar. Yeah. Um, but. I know Casablanca won a bunch of Oscars. I,
0: I hope it won for score because I love the music in Casablanca; it was gorgeous. But Pretty in Pink was a John Hughes movie, very much in the vein of all the other ones he made, like Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles, Ferris Bueller. Right, the, there were like seven years that he was really king of the of the teen romance, and we did see romance go more toward teenagers and young adult and coming-of-age stories in the late 70s into the 90s.
1: I mean, so this movie came out in 1986. Mm -hmm.
0: I thought it was 84. Could be wrong.
1: I mean, basically, it was like Molly Ringwald plays the main character, and her family, her, her mom is gone, has left them, and her dad can't keep a job. She's hates the rich people, and her best friend, Ducky, also hates the rich people. And
0: he's just a quirky best friend, always cracking jokes and trying to hit on girls.
1: Whoever watched the uh, early release of that movie and thought, oh, she shouldn't end up with Ducky, was wrong. Yeah. That movie, I hated now, it. No,
0: he wasn't, like, super-duper endearing. He wasn't a heartthrob or anything, but he was a nice guy. And I think Molly Ringwald's character deserved a nice guy, right?
1: Yeah, so she ends up with this rich dude, Blaine, who asks her out, and then he gets too embarrassed to be seen with her, basically. Yeah. Um, but he ends up, at prom, he comes and he's like, gives her this heartfelt speech, and then they end up together. hmm But there was definitely some problematic, I think they say the N-word in that movie. Yeah. And they're definitely- No, it was the F-word. I think they said both. Oh, so they uh, definitely were hating on some black people and some gays. And there, there were some more female mov- people in this movie. There were two strong female leads. And
0: it made us feel kind of ancient because her one friend that she works with, she was like 33 years old. And she's like, oh, I'm so ancient. Like,
1: uh... And I was like, damn, girl, you're not that old. <laughs> I mean, this was my, I think this was my least favorite. I don't know. It wasn't bad. The last two were definitely yeah, not no, as good as the We actually two.
0: started more recently and worked backwards. And in my opinion, they got better and better the further back we went, even though they were problematic. Pretty in Pink did have kind of 80s nostalgia. It was fun. And it was much more what we're used to seeing.
1: As far as romance. Honestly, um, so basically after movies like Pretty in Pink in the 80s and 90s, There was a time where, in the late 90s and early 2000s, where we kind of moved more towards British romances. You had, you know, uh, Love Actually... Like Notting
0: Hill with, like, Hugh Grant and all that.
1: Yeah, and uh, Bridget Jones' Diary Mm, stuff. And I think Pride and Prejudice, they made a remake around that time.
0: I think that was the one that had Keira Knightley in it, right?
1: Right. So, that's kind of where it went after the 90s, for a little while. And then, basically now, I mean... Really, romance is kind of in decline. I mean, you have the occasional romance. No,
0: like, like, my thing about now is that almost every story, and even, like, going way back, like, there's almost always some sort of romantic element, even if it's a thriller movie, a horror movie, uh, foreign films, comedies, a lot of them do have some element of romance, even if it isn't the main plot point, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, but if you're a female lead, you gotta have some man coming to be your romantic no, like, lead. like, for
0: instance, we didn't watch this for the podcast, and I'm actually just throwing this out of left field, but remember how a few weeks ago we watched Heathers? Yeah. Like, that one is definitely like Kind a, of romantic. But there's also a teen murder thriller thing going on but there is romance happening, so would that be considered a romance
1: film? Sort of, I suppose. I think a thriller romance, kind of. Right. Kind of like a uh, Fatal Attraction, which we haven't seen, but I mean, uh, that's kind of what that movie is. Yeah. Nowadays, at least we're trying to be more inclusive. Um, you you know you have movies like Trainwreck where the female is kind of more in charge than the male, mm-hmm. um, and then you have you know more movies with. Like, we had Crazy Rich Asians, which was awesome.
0: Right, and you have uh, biracial relationships like we had in...
1: Broken Hearts Gallery? No,
0: I was, I was actually thinking of the one with Kumal Nanjiani.
1: Oh, Lovebirds? Yes. Um, but overall, they're still comedies. We're kind of back to that comedy phase again. You know, we had like things like Knocked Up. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of where we're... Ah, no. Like, no, but,
0: like, a lot of my favorite romances, like, looking back at, like, my childhood, like, yeah, there was stuff like Titanic, but the ones that I remember were really funny. There's, like, uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, right. 30 Going on 30. Like, they're, they're romances, but they're, they're teenage, they're 50 first comedy. Days. Yeah, oh, that was a good one. That's a good romance.
1: I think the thing is, is we kind of got bored of the same thing over and over. If you look at a romance, uh, you've got this formula where, you know, there's some kind of meet-cute, And then they start dating, and maybe not at first, but then they they fall in love. And then for some reason, there's a conflict, and they break up. And then at the end of the film, they get back together. Blah, blah, blah. You just described
0: Breakfast at Tiffany's. Good
1: job. Or Made in Manhattan, or...
0: (laughs) You've got mail.
1: Like, yeah, pretty much all of those are just like that.
0: And by the way, I'm going to circle back really quick. We were going to watch either Splash or Pretty in Pink... But the poll on Twitter, y'all decided that we should watch Pretty in Pink. Kind of keep looking at the Real Romance UCPN Twitter because we put out polls, flash polls all the time to see uh, what we want to do, what movies we should watch, what formats we should use.
1: No guarantees there'll be one every month, but probably try to. And
0: there's no guarantee that we'll actually follow what you vote for, but it definitely gives us a good idea of what you want to hear. We try
1: our best to listen to whatever you guys say.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Um, but so that leads us to the last movie we watched, which was Call Me By Your Name.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and that has a uh, Timothy Chalamet.
1: <laughs> yeah, whatever his last name
0: Chalamet. is. Chalamet. He's French.
1: He, is he French? I didn't know.
0: Well, in this movie, he's Italian. He's right? an
1: Italian Jew. He's and. a jew Italian. Um, and then the other co-star is Army Hammer, which, you know, he's okay. got, he's got some issues <laughs> right now. but We're, we're, we're
0: going to ignore all of the stuff that he's been going through in the media and all the bullshit that, that he's been involved we,
1: in. We're just going to talk about this movie. Just
0: the movie itself. Because the movie came out, like, four years ago, five I think, years ago? Yeah,
1: 2017, I think. Okay. So, basically, uh, Timothy's family moves EO or something is his dumb name. Yeah. He moves...
0: El, El, Elio.
1: Elio. That's it. So he and his family vacation every summer and every, like, Christmas mm-hmm. in uh, Italy. Yeah. They always host, like, a grad student every summer. Yeah,
0: like, like a foreign exchange thing.
1: Well, his dad's a teacher. Yeah. That's his, like, grad... his you Right, know, his and, so they, and so they have
0: a room open for board, and they host somebody.
1: Right, and they the guy, whoever comes, they, you know, do the graduate work, and they help fill out all the papers and blah right. blah blah and help get their thesis. And
0: and clearly Elio is at an age, he's seventeen or so, and he's starting to get involved with his classmates and the girls and starting to think about having sex and relationships. Meanwhile Army Hammer's character, he is in his mid twenties. He's like
1: twenty four. Yeah,
0: and he's he's already a heart throb. Like the girls love him, he's always walking around shirtless. So he has relationships too.
1: And Elio is like into him though.
0: Right, and we find out that they're both bisexual at least interested in both parties involved. We
1: assume that Elio is bisexual. I would... I don't know. Army Hammer might just be closeted. I'm not sure. It didn't really expressly say whether they also liked women, but they definitely like men, for sure.
0: Right, because Elio, he has a girlfriend who's his age, and they go to school together, and they're kind of having a summer fling, and he, you know, pops his cherry with her. But then...
1: He really missed out. So early on in the movie, Arm—I don't know Army Hammer's character's name—he like put his arm on Elio's shoulder and was trying to hint that like he was interested, but Elio kind of like rejected him because he was embarrassed. And really, it, they end up sleeping together, which I thought was super inappropriate. This is his dad's grad student, and like this is an There's underage a boy.
0: Pretty big age difference, like. You know that rule how you, like, half someone's age and add seven, and mm-hmm. that's what's appropriate? If he's 24, that means that the youngest person he should be dating is 19, using that formula. Oh, okay. So maybe uh, 17 is a, a bit... young.
1: Pushing it. But well, maybe... This was also
0: the 80s, so who knows?
1: Yeah, well, it's supposed to be set in the 80s, yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess in Europe, they, you know, they think differently. I don't know. I, uh-huh. I felt a little uncomfortable with their relationship, because, like... When Army takes off his shirt, he's very clearly, like, buff and tan. And no offense to Timothy, but when he takes off his shirt, he looks like a child.
0: He has the tiniest nipples ever, y'all. You talk about mosquito bites. Good God, this kid needs some acne medicine on those titties.
1: They have a relationship, (laughs) but then when he leaves, uh, Army just is like, Well, I'm getting married. Yeah. And poor Elio just cries, and that's how the movie ends.
0: Yeah, and this is, I mean... There might be one or two jokes, but this is definitely not a funny film. No,
1: it was not funny. Which is
0: why it was nominated for all the Oscars. Because yeah. the Oscars hate comedy and sci-fi and horror.
1: We should have watched that Christmassy romance on, on Hulu. God. Whatever that one was called. We wanted to watch something that was LGBTQ+, because like, they didn't make those really right. back in and the day.
0: It, and it, inclusivity isn't just about race or you know financial standing or whatever. It needs to be more inclusive for people who love everyone, right?
1: Right, and I have some more notes on that, but let's go through some of the, uh, like, notes of how the movies changed. Okay. So, looking at the first one compared to the last one, we definitely see, like, some more representation, you know? I mean... A straight couple that boring and white back in the forties definitely translated differently into a gay couple who's kind of closeted in 2017.
0: Right, and that's not to say that there aren't a lot of movies that have racial inclusivity, but well, the, they're
1: not a lot. The but there four, are some. The
0: four movies we watched: straight white couple, straight white couple, straight white couple, gay white couple.
1: <laughs> yeah. They are more women-friendly now. That is Absolutely. something we can 100% say. Not every single one, but most movies at least give the woman a choice. Like, she does not have to be with this man if she does not want to. Looking at something like Broken Hearts Gallery, you definitely see that she has more of a choice and she has thoughts and feelings and, like, a, a whole character. Like, she changes. Like, women get to actually have opinions and women get to talk to other women in the movies, which is nice. Uh, the vector test, that's nice.
0: The Bechtel test.
1: That's what I said. And. If you get
0: to correct me on my <laughs> dumbass words, I can correct you on yours, vector.
1: <laughs> You're a vector. But, I mean, that's nice. It's nice to see some more evolved movies. Um, and I also went through. And we've seen all these, so we didn't watch them for the podcast, but I went through and looked at Disney animated films because there are other animated romances, but this is a good kind of genre to just judge. Right.
0: It's kind of a uh, litmus test for what's happening yeah, with society.
1: These all came from the same studio, so it kind of gives us a nice feel for it. So basically we start off in 1937, we had Snow White. Good God. Snow White has literally no choices at all. Like, basically, she has to run away because her mom's trying to kill her.
0: And then she cooks and cleans for some strangers, and then she dies.
1: I mean, yeah. Like, the prince comes along and saves her, and she doesn't even know him, and he's a lot older. It, it She had no choice. Right. And then we moved along. And into we have, like,
0: Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty.
1: And Lady and the Tramp in the 50s. Okay. And so, the women at least have personalities, sort of.
0: Isn't it sad how in 101 Dalmatians, like... Purdy has so... So much more will. Yeah. Because like, her
1: and Pongo are what get the couple together in the first
0: place. 100% equals in that. Like, it's funny when they're not human, they can just be <laughs> like, oh, they're the same. Like, well,
1: actually, uh, uh, the humans in that actually seem like they were pretty good people. Like, we don't know much about them. Well, but not
0: Cruella, who's about to have a trailer I drop. Meant
1: the, <laughs> I meant Purdy and Pongo's owners. Yeah. Like Roger, Roger and, and Anita. Anita. Um, but then you move into like the '70s. You had you know the aristocrats, and, rescuers, and you had the rescuers, and they definitely had the females. Definitely had opinions. Duchess was stuck up and whatnot, but she had she was you know she had emotions. And she wasn't feelings
0: just working at his will.
1: She had responsibilities. She was living her life before he came along. It was just nice to have him in it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, And then, so we kind of move more progressive. There's,
0: like, nothing in the 80s.
1: Until, like, 89, when we have Little Mermaid, which, I guess she had choices.
0: She chose wrong. She chose
1: poorly, but she had choices. Um, But then you've got Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin, and Pocahontas, and Mulan, and Tarzan, all in the 90s. Um, And then, like, the last kind of romantic film was Atlantis, and that really isn't really about the romance. But then Disney didn't really make any romance movies until 2008 when they made WALL-E.
0: Well, all of those that you just mentioned in the 90s, they're all very different in tone. Like, the women definitely have a lot more choice and they're a lot more uh, motivated and empowered.
1: And all of the women look different and have different personalities. Right. Which is something nice to see.
0: Even the white girls, like, Belle is not the same as Jane, is not the same as Ariel, right? They're all very different people. So they're not just they have like
1: whole different colors of hair. They're
0: not they're not cookie cutter princesses. Is what I'm saying,
1: right? They're well, like actually, Nala.
0: She's definitely a different shade of of uh, brown, of yellow. Yeah,
1: but Disney kind of moved away from romance for a little bit, and then we had Princess and the Frog, mm-hmm. Tangled, Romeo uh, and Juliet, which I know you think isn't Disney, but it is. And then you have Frozen, and in those movies, every single one of those females had more of a choice they were leading their movies you know what i mean like the romance was kind of secondary like naveen does not fall in love with tiana like she doesn't make him he she's just being her and trying to stop being a frog and he falls in love with her along the way oops you know Tangled's
0: the same way they have a common goal
1: he wants to steal her crown she wants to go see the floating lanterns it's refreshing to see i think anna and christoph have one of the best relationships in a animated film christoph is such a good example of a man that our kids should be looking up to think about it like he respects anna's feelings he is always there for her whenever she needs him but he's not like "Hey, let me save you like, he's like, what can I do for you? Also, can we just... How can I help you? Can we just
0: mention that Disney decided, like, retroactively to be like, LeFou is gay. and, and Retroactively,
1: he was always gay.
0: Well, they didn't acknowledge it then.
1: Well, they couldn't. But, like...
0: 20 years later, Why do could. you think
1: LeFou was so obsessed with Gaston?
0: Probably... I was, do you know... I a, always thought it was like a hero complex. It's do like, you know
1: a straight man that sings about another man's abs that much?
0: No, I can't say that I do. <laughs>
1: exactly. So, but I mean, it, looking at those animated movies, you can really see as things progressed how females got to be more empowered and got to actually have personalities and choices and who they fall in love with.
0: And- yeah, you, even though romance style has changed a lot. Much more importantly, scripts and casting and overall theme they evolve with the time. So you look at something like Breakfast at Tiffany's or Casablanca, they are reflective of the time period in which they were made. And now, yay for gays, right? Interracial I mean, relationships. Sort of. And, and, we're getting there. And not just monogamy either. There's a lot of movies that involve uh, polygamy or... Uh, you
1: say the word a lot, like, but I don't think you know what that means.
0: Okay. More than it used to be.
1: Fair. I mean, but think about how long it took Disney to have a black princess. Too? Too long. There you go. And, and that's something that should be noted. That none of these movies that we watched had people of color. Not because we actively avoided them, but we literally looked up popular movies from those decades, and that's what we found.
0: Right, and so if you are, you know, looking for movies that are romantic, that are non-white, there's plenty to watch. They're just not marketed to mainstream Media consumption, which is why something like Crazy Rich Agents was such a big thing because it was truly a romance and it wasn't just like all whites all the time, and yet people went out and watched it and well, it made and money. The
1: people in it weren't like stereotypes, mm. they all had rich backgrounds. And
0: Aquafina is not your stereotypical Asian girl.
1: Aquafina is amazing.
0: Neither is Kin Jong. He jokes about it, but he's really different than.
1: Her what would be stereotypical? We recently rewatched that movie, and Aquafina is just fantastic.
0: She's so funny.
1: I love her and everything. Mm-hmm. Black people don't have a lot of representation in romance movies. I mean, they have their own kind of movies, like Love and Basketball, and a bunch of Tyler Perry movies, and stuff like that. You don't really see a whole lot of them marketed towards mainstream. We even think about it, like, okay, so what women want. Was a Mel Gibson movie back in the what nineties, early 2000s, somewhere in there, and then they remade it with a black lady, called it What Men Want, and nobody went to watch it.
0: Right now, granted, I did enjoy What Women Want more. I thought it was funnier.
1: Have you watched it lately? I watched it. A I few bet it weeks did ago. not age well. No, it did not. He is a dick.
0: Well, yeah, that's the whole point of the character.
1: But like, even when he changes himself, he's still a dick. Like I rewatched it re- recently, and I remember really enjoying that movie when I was g- growing up. And now I was just like, "Oh my god, he was literally stole all her ideas, and she got fired."
0: That sounds just like corporate
1: America. shenanigans. Yeah. Basically, they don't really market movies with black leads. Like, the, Crazy Rich Asians is the first film in such a long time that has hasn't had an entire cast full of people of color that was marketed just towards everyone.
0: Right, because like Black Panther did that too. But that's but not e- a romance. But even then they also had like, you know, your your token white folks in it. Even if it's in Wakanda, they still have like three white characters. So For no reason. Well, just because. I
1: mean, Bucky's appearance makes sense because we know they dropped him off in Wakanda like the last movie.
0: Yeah, but everyone else, it's it like, like mm, did you have to? That's not romance, so we'll get away from that.
1: The point is, is, is we still have a long way to go. Um, There's lots of different types of romance. Not everyone has to be, you know, Cinderella. It's gonna take a minute. Uh, Hollywood and the world is always slower than it should be. But at least there are movies now that have people of color and people of other... That aren't straight white couples getting together. And
0: I agree with you that, you know, there are a lot of strides to be made. But real pure romances... They're few and far between.
1: They might be dead.
0: You gotta look at, you know, the subgenre. Like, blank romance. Or romantic comedy. Romantic thriller. Like, you find them buried into other stories.
1: I do want to note, and we will talk about more about this next month, but Bridgerton is doing an excellent job of showing... Uh, Like people of color and just like it doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. And
0: they do a really good job on the actual romance too. It's not just like hot and heavy love scenes, but it's also not all, you know, heartfelt stuff. There's a really great mixture of all sorts of romantic feelings in that show. And
1: I I would like to see um, because there is some gay undertones in one of the relationships but I would like to see that developed. But the first season is really more about this main couple, the Duke and, and... uh, the Bridgerton lady. I forget her name. I just... Daphne? Y-
0: that sounds right.
1: They all have weird flower D- no, names. No,
0: you just just say Bridgerton and it covers everybody.
1: Yeah, so... Except
0: for Lady Featherdowns.
1: But, so we'll talk more about that next month, but I just really appreciate... Um, Julia Quinn wrote some really great characters. I really appreciate that. And I think that we can look forward to a future of more representation. But... Do you think romance has died in movies? Ah. Or do you think it's just changed into something completely new and evolved?
0: I think you can get romance pretty much anywhere you go in something else, but if you want strictly romance, it's almost like you have to pick up a romance novel, and that's practically turned into, you know, softcore literary porn. Some of them, yes. You know? Most of them. So you have to be really selective on your romance, and if you don't mind watching a romance in space, or a romance in a cabin in the woods or somewhere then, yeah, there's plenty of romance, and I think there's a lot of room for it to develop.
1: You think that the romance novels haven't always been softcore porn? You're so surely mistaken.
0: I'm just thinking, like, way back in the day. No, no, no. Like, you talk about your like your little women and your Pride and That's Prejudice. Not, those, weren't. those are classic literary romances, and now if you want a they romance spicy. book for the day, not now.
1: Okay, yeah, but back then they were spicy.
0: So if you like this theme mini... Uh, let us know what you'd like to hear in the future, and maybe we can incorporate your ideas into future episodes.
1: We've got a list of potential ideas, but we have not solidly right. We're locked anything down.
0: Always looking for new ones. And if you want to stay engaged, just follow us on our, all of our social media. I'm at BamfingBob Bob on Twitter. She's BookNerd Five Two Eight on Instagram. Also, all of our podcast-related accounts are Real Romance UCPN on Twitter, at Real Romance on Instagram and TikTok. We also have a Facebook page Real Romance and our email is Real Romance Pod at gmail.com.
1: Uh, next week we'll put out all the new movies we've watched in the last what two months? About. So look forward to that. It's going to be a little longer next week.
0: But it uh, also covers a lot of different things.
1: And then the week after that we'll put out our streaming from the month of February.
0: Yeah, so this is going to be a one two three knockout because because of February not having a another. Friday.
1: <laughs> I hope by the time you guys are listening to this, you all have power.
0: Yeah, because everyone is Them currently uh, everyone's currently stuck in a snow pile, and I am really worried about all my people down in Texas who don't know how to handle snow. As a uh, as a fellow Texan, I understand, and thank God I live somewhere now that knows how to plow a road
1: when they poorly,
0: but they do it. Until next time, thank you for listening. Make sure you watch all your movies and stuff so that we can talk about it later. And above all else, keep it real.
1: Bye.
0: Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Romance Season 3. Remember to follow us on all of our social media accounts and our affiliates at Undercover Cakes Podcast Network and Comic Crusaders.